0: everyone. Today's guest on Fashion for All, the Smart Glamour podcast is Jenny Onisk. Jenny falls under the maker category of types of guests we'll be chatting with on the podcast. I'll let her introduce herself properly. We chat about working in corporate fashion, starting our own small businesses, the joy of learning the process of making things, and how to start making art. Enjoy our conversation. Hi there. Hi. <laughs> Thanks for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited. Of course. Could you please introduce yourself?
1: Sure. My name is Jenny Onisk. I'm an artist and a designer. Um, I'm also a teacher currently. I have been many things before that, but that's what Mm -hmm. I'm doing currently. And I also run my own business called Oxford Comma Company, where I kind of um, try lots of different art things to sell. (laughs) Awesome.
0: Um, So we know each other because you vended at my runway show which is like literally exactly a year ago almost at this yeah, point so um <laughs> and I was basically just looking for people who make handmade things or ethically produced things um that are women are non-binary people so that the runway show was like less of just like a show up you see a show you leave and more of like a community experience um and I remember when I emailed you and then when you emailed me back I was like oh my god we have a very similar story (laughs) like I remember I was at um my student's house who I was teaching fashion design to and I read your email and he was like did you write that email I was like (laughs) no somebody else wrote that email to me (laughs) yes so could you tell me a little bit about um work you know we both work in corporate profession is so the short story of that could you tell me a little bit about how you got from there to leaving and what you're doing now yeah um
1: it was exactly 10 years ago this year that I graduated from college um I have absolutely no worries about that at all I feel <laughs> totally fine about it um <laughs> absolutely fine working through it in therapy um, but I went to school in Virginia and I moved to New York right after that with like all of the dreams of becoming a fashion designer. Um, I definitely don't think like when I was younger, I even knew what that meant. I just like liked making things. And when I learned that you could design clothes, I was like, that makes sense. I want like a practical job. Um, you know, as a woman in the world, I never felt like I had clothes that fit me or like felt pretty. So I was like, oh my God, I could make clothes for people and we would feel better and I get to like use my art and my practical skills. This is the perfect job for me. How incredible. Um cut to working in like a corporate design job where you make clothes that people like you and me could wear that my mother would like to wear. Um I was really not prepared for like the corporate life, I would say, and also, you know, how business oriented it is how like exclusive it is there's not a lot that's glamorous about it it's kind of like you know the world that you think fashion is is like sitting in a studio and like picking out fabrics and like you know waxing poetic about inspiration (laughs) and in reality it's like I'm working with a sales team and they're like this blouse sold last year how do we sell it this year without charging any more money and like that was basically my job um so Eventually, I know you're shaking your head, and I agree. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I get it, and it makes sense. Um, but I, I eventually, I kind of worked my way up through private label companies, so we would kind of work with other brands or even like celebrity clients who wanted to like sell a clothing line, and I would help mm-hmm. develop those clothing lines to sell in like QVC
0: or also which yeah which yes pause very quickly to tell people like I just want to stress that point that like yeah. when celebra- when celebrities decide that they want to have a clothing oh line or god. something like and then they say like oh I'm a designer like they're not a designer they're no. like signing off on other designers work okay continue. yes <laughs> and like that I feel like it should be a whole thing because also I I
1: love like celebrity well I did like very much bought into like oh my god I mean this celebrity and like I'm gonna design their clothing line like heck yeah Mm-hmm. and lots of people are lovely but it's it's so rare that they're even involved it's like yes this matches what i would like what are the talking points i should say when i'm trying to sell this on qvc or on the internet or whatever yep. and like that's yep. it the rest is yep. people like you and me who are like trying to figure out what to actually make for them mm-hmm. um but i kind of liked like the problem solving and like the working within parameters like that really suits me um you know if you say there's like a minimum for this fabric like how can I use it in a smart way to get the clothing made that we need like I love all that stuff of fashion mm-hmm. um and I kind of always assumed that working like the practical corporate route meant that like I would avoid the drama and like the person, <laughs> you know the big personalities of like these wild fashion designer artists not the case like you would think I was working at Chanel with like how nasty people were to each other uh-huh, you know? like, uh-huh. why <laughs> And, you know, I think, like, very naively, I kind of, like, I'm a pretty straight shooter. I'm, like, you know, I want the the easiest, quickest way for us to, like, solve problems. Like, I always joke like, if the printer paper runs out, like, I just put new paper in. Like, it's that simple, you know? What a concept. Right. And, like, I'm the kind of person you want to work in a corporate office. Like, I love it. I'm, like, you know, hey, Billy, how are the kids? Like, I love that kind of vibe. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's what I want to be when I grow up. I want to, like, work in an office and, like, do something cool. So... Anyways, it was not like that. It's just like so cutthroat a lot of like really old fashioned practices is what was shocking to me and I think it probably took like five or six years for me to even just understand like the like the cog I am in the wheel that is the whole fashion world, like like you say capital mm. f fashion cycle yes. and system um and kind of like my role is essentially the middleman between the factory partners who are producing and manufacturing for us and the sales end that's like selling the clothes. And Mm -hmm. I think even just learning that cycle and all the people who are involved and like the penny pinching and Mm
0: -hmm. not caring
1: about those factory partners, constantly screwing over those factory partners, Mm -hmm. nickel and diming them when they're literally barely surviving and their factories collapse. And the first question is, Oh no, were those our clothes? Oh, they weren't great. And then they move on to the next thing, and I'm like, "What is this world?" Right? We're both like touching our faces right now because we're like, "This is the life."
0: People need to watch the video of this, yeah. I'm just, I'm just really over here making arm lot ar- emotions. <laughs> that's why I feel though, and like
1: Ugh. I, I've joked about this a lot, but is anyone doing like a tell all about like what this is really like? I feel like you're the first person I've come into that's just like, just so you know, this is how things are, and people are like
0: what I know needs, I know. Need to know how ridiculous I know yeah I mean I uh it's so true I mean I I had one other one other guest so far who also worked in corporate fashion that, and she went to FIT with me okay um and she stayed in corporate fashion for a long time because she she started in juniors which is what I did mm-hmm. and then she me too. But then she moved to children's wear okay and she had a little bit of a slightly better experience in children's wear uh, for whatever reason. Maybe it was the company she's in. Maybe it's that that sector. I, I don't know because I've never done children's wear, but... Um, You know, it was definitely hard work, but it seemed a little less toxic than Junior's for some reason. Um, And then uh, she ended up leaving because she was going to have a baby and was like, I will never see my child if this is my life. And I'm not comfortable with that. So that's a whole other conversation. Um, And if if folks haven't heard that podcast episode uh that's with katie it's it's a little oh. earlier on actually i think um, i listened to that does she live upstate now and
1: makes yes yeah mm-hmm. she yep. has a beautiful mm-hmm. um, makes beautiful products children's so products yeah so yes. she's
0: she's a maker as well and, and has an etsy shop yeah. um called chelsea and marbles but what was so interesting is to like to talk to another person and we both it, it, we were both seemingly kind of like struggling a little bit to really explain like how the environment feels of yeah. corporate fashion and and the word that we just kept saying was like toxic yes. like it's just like as soon as you said that it, I was like yes like a bad relationship yeah. and you're like yeah it's
1: I'm mm-hmm. and I, I just remember I kept thinking like well I'm gonna go to the next job because I figured out tricks to survive this job and I'm pretty sure if I just go to the next one and implement those tricks like I will be able to figure this out like I will mm-hmm. fit into this world and be able to like unlock the secret of like being successful and also like happy at this job. Right. And it just never happened. And toxic is exactly the word because I keep saying like I couldn't even talk about fashion. I've been out of it for about 3 years. I couldn't even talk about it until like really this year because I just I didn't want to be involved. I like couldn't yeah. think about it. Like I couldn't have like perspective enough to reflect until recently. And mm-hmm. I feel like listening to your podcast actually was really inspiring this past week. I was I did a talk basically with my uh, graduating class from where I went to school at BCU in Richmond. And to do that, I had to essentially reflect on the past 10 years of my career and like explain it. And I kind of made like a graph of my jobs and I drew it Mm. how it felt, which was like, I climbed a ladder and I fell back down. I hopped over here and I quit and I came over and I was like, it looks this crazy. That's actually how it felt. But every step of the way, like I learned something important that like brought me to the next stage But in the end, it was really, like, realizing that my inherent, like, personality and values, more importantly, like, cannot exist in this space. And, you know, for the sake of – I can either, like, change who I am, which I tried for most of my 20s, but why? When, like, (laughs) you know, changing who I am was basically, like, for some reason, I'm starting to hate people. I don't feel creative, I don't feel happy and I feel like trapped at my desk all the time. And then when I left, I was like, "Oh, I actually love people. <laughs> I love being creative when I'm around positive people. I feel very positive and hopeful and like we can solve all these problems." But when you're mm-hmm. in it, it's just like this toxic, really just like dinosaurish system that I mm-hmm. can't believe is even functioning anymore, frankly. I don't
0: know how any of our clothes get anywhere because it's I, it's almost to the point I think some of these companies that it's like a it's like a too big to fail yeah situation you know it's like I mean the company that I worked for um they just made so much stuff for yeah. so many places I mean yeah. like they had an entire Walmart team of Same. designers yeah and then our team did you know JCPenney Burlington Ross um um Wet Seal yes um you know it's just like they they and then they also have their own line mm-hmm. that that we make that like like smaller places will come in and buy from like they just they've built up such a huge structure mm-hmm. that like you know even if one of those people leaves and goes somewhere else for whatever reason um they have so much more backup and quite honestly all of those places that i'm naming they don't only get their clothes from us they get right. them from multiple places all over so it's like it it's it's such a big 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 monster and i don't Whoa. think i don't think it's ever gonna completely dissipate um you know and quite honestly there are people who need to ha- need to buy their clothes from walmart for whatever reason whether it's a money thing exactly. whether it's an access thing um you know so that i don't want it to completely disappear yeah. but uh you know it it, I do I do want it to just lessen (laughs) yes because it is such it's making such a bad impact on the planet and on human beings yeah
1: and like I those are the companies I worked for too and it's funny because like there are so many of these middleman private labels all selling to the same places it's like Mm -hmm. how is it possible that there's 30 private label companies all selling to Walmart and Ross and TJ Maxx and Macy's and you know it's like Basically, we knew we were competing all the time. It's like, and I, I remember too, the Walmart orders, it might be one or two pieces, the sheer volume paid for all of the rest of us to do our jobs. Right. So it's like, right. I didn't even really matter in the scheme of things. Like if Walmart had a crisis, it was like, all will yep. on deck to fix this t-shirt or else we mm-hmm. all starve basically. And like,
0: yep. And it's always that. It's always like one random thing. Like we ha- I remember yeah. the specific Walmart order of a tank top once that was like, you know, this one, one seamless cami that we make in like a billion colors and yeah. like Walmart's reordering it. And it's like, everything has to stop. And everything. like, all of a sudden I'm supposed to be there till eight o'clock at night, changing the colors on the CADs because yeah. Walmart <laughs> needs a tank top. Like, I don't. Yes.
1: <laughs> it was insane. My, the biggest account I ever successfully managed was Sam's Club. Like, Mm. you know, BJ's and Sam's Club is where you buy, like, a ton of peanut butter or whatever. I (laughs) love those for groceries. I can't even shop there because, frankly, I don't have enough storage in my Brooklyn apartment to buy anything. Uh Are you kidding me? Uh Uh-huh. But I remember when we got the account, I was like, Sam's Club. Like, they sell clothes there. And they're like, oh, yeah, they sell clothes. But it's like, you even had to consider how the top looked. Folded in a pile on a table because that's how it's Mm -hmm. displayed. Like on a huge long table, tons of t shirts, and all you're seeing is like the front neckline. So they called it like that's where the money has to go. Like if you're going to embroider it, embroidering on the hem or the sleeve doesn't matter because it's on a table stacked 20 high. Uh
0: Uh, And it was
1: like, okay, I'll take on this challenge. And like we sold stuff successfully there, but it's just a whole other mentality that like I never even thought about fashion in that way before. And then I can't not think about it. And I don't even like consume or shop in the way that I used to because I just like when you see the, I don't know, atrocities, like the egregious amount of buying and the samples and the throwing things away. Like, oh my God, so much waste. I mean, I love free clothes. Do not get me wrong. I would just like take things home because I'm like, you're going to throw away this like yardage. Like, I'll take it for like a Halloween costume or something, you know? Right, right. But yeah, I I think you're right. It's just so big. Like, I just want it to be less. And like, Mm -hmm. I don't you know blame or fault consumers including myself who like can't afford to buy right local or or don't live in new york don't have access to like a brooklyn designer who would make this for you so it's like you know you can't blame folks for like doing the best they can you can 100 percent blame the system that has like put us all in this position essentially and Mm -hmm. like figure out ways to like minimize that impact (laughs) i think
0: is the goal right right did you ever have um conversations um this happened a lot with us. Like, just I think that sometimes people hear "designer" and they think like, "Ooh, it's one hundred percent like such a creative job." Yes. We're like, I mean, my job right now is creative, but like, well, totally. A, being a designer in a big fancy office in in Manhattan was not creative because we were yeah. just copying things, and beyond copying things, you know, we were always trying to copy like the cooler thing, right. and our buyers were like, no. You can't you can't make that because because our customer isn't ready for it. She yeah. won't buy it. You know, like like I I worked there when crop tops were like just becoming a thing. Yep, and we would fight to try to make crop tops, and they'd be like, "No, you know, the shopper J C Penny doesn't want a crop top. She she's not ready it. for. She's not ready. She's not ready for it." You <laughs> Did right. that happen with you guys? Yes, all the time. <laughs> and then like, what's funny
1: is my bo- when I had a good um like creative director above me, she mm-hmm. understood the cycle and she would save the good ideas we had in a closet because mm. guaranteed six months or a year later, they'd be like, oh my God, we need pom-poms. I'm like, that's hilarious. Right. Remember that time I pitched to be ahead of the curve, we should try pom-poms right. and you thought I was crazy. And she would pull out, yep. luckily, a whole collection we already designed. And then of course it would blow up. But yeah, mm. and I think that's like a huge problem too between, well, first of all, I was never taught how to like work with like sales and merchants, like that would be like such a partnership in design, mm-hmm. like when I went to school, mm-hmm. like we're not living in our own little world, just like designing pretty things. We're working, right. with, like, you know, I wish we're now you are, but you're working with like, <laughs> a team, you know? Uh huh. And like the sales doesn't appreciate that. Like you're literally paying me to like have some sort of vision for the future. Like you're supposed to right. show me what has worked. I'm supposed to kind of help predict how we can make that go forward. But we always called it chasing. Like we're always just chasing some trend. Like we would knock off target and I'm like, yeah. Target already has it. I don't think we can do it cheaper or better than Target. Like, right. we would chase trends that were already, like, you know, accessible and, like, affordable. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was a very bizarre thing to realize.
0: Yeah. I mean, the fact of the matter is when you're making clothes to be sold at, like, Kmart, Walmart, Russ Burlington, you're knocking off what people already think is low end. Like, yeah. we were knocking off forever 21 i'm um, like yeah. when you're knocking off forever 21 i mean you are at the bottom of the barrel because forever 21 all they do is knock off everyone else all it's they like, do it's really just a chain of yeah. copy 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 and every time it's copied it's like when you copy a picture online yeah. and you keep screenshotting it and it loses <laughs> the it loses like the it's pixels just <laughs> getting blurrier oh well, when you copy. Good fashion down the line it just Ugh. gets worse and, and shittier that's like the
1: best analogy I've ever heard and that's absolutely true I was like at least be ambitious like at least knock off like the newest thing I'm like I didn't even have to try that hard I'm just gonna like look at my own closet that I bought yesterday and like knock that off for you guys that's all I wanted <laughs> they Thanks, so yeah. Bad.
0: yeah so um, so uh, how did you finally decide like I'm out and what was that process <laughs>
1: Well, I would say I quit a lot of jobs in my seven year career, I would kind of get to a point where I was like, I can't even focus enough to like look for a new job while I have a job, I just need to like get out and refresh, took a couple of kind of odd jobs in between. And then I would say I hit like my last most recent career turn, and I really loved working at that company. Um, I kind of was like whatever I know what fashion is like I can handle this now I'm more relaxed because I just like I can't change what I can't change but I also do the best I can this is my career whatever Um, and then Trump was elected and then a year later I think my nerves were just shot and I like felt the effects of being like knowingly a part of something that was terrible as I was understanding like how systemic so many of the problems in the world are And I felt like I was looking at my little fashion life and I was just like, ugh, like I don't feel happy. I don't feel healthy. I have no, you know, work-life balance because I'm like chained to my desk. And uh, frankly, the team that I love, which is why I didn't mind that job because the people were so great, which is so rare that I was like, I will work here forever if these people stay forever. The whole team basically quit and got new jobs. And I was the only one left and I was like, cool. So now I'm doing the job of the two people who were above me. So now Mm -hmm. I know that you have X amount of money left over that you're not paying those people. Do you think I could get Mm -hmm. like, I don't know, a 10 grand raise now that I'm going from like associate designer to designer level. And they were like, no. And I was like, Oh, that's interesting. So you just want me to do it all by myself. And they're like, yeah. And they actually thought I was going to quit and they got really scared because I just got really quiet and I was like, fine. And like a month later they offered me like $5,000 and I was like, no, mm-hmm. thank you. I quit. And then I quit. <laughs> so it's like the end of 2007, 2017, basically, like after the new year, I was like, I'm not coming back. Um, and at the time I was dating someone who lived in Texas and I needed a break. And he was like, come live with me. Um, so I did. And I kind of just oh. used that, you know, it was warm. I sublet my apartment to pay my rent and I had some money saved. And I was like, let's just like do a hard reset. Mm. Um but I really like – he was an artist also and really kind of like really valued like drawing and like going to life drawing classes. And like it's like, oh, right. I, I used to be an artist. Like I, I like that stuff. And I kind of used a, f- a few months on there to just like make stuff again and like explore mm. Instagram. And I kind of like reached out to I, – I painted, you know, a beautiful wedding cake that I saw and a beautiful floral arrangement that someone made on Instagram. And I tagged them and kind of like – started relationships with people that were just like making beautiful things that I thought were cool. Um, And some of those people ended up just being like, hi, that was really pretty. Do you want to hang out? Like go get a coffee sometime. And I was like, (laughs) genuine connection with another human? What? Like that's not not how this works. Um, So when I came back to New York, I kind of like started pursuing some of those like new relationships and kind of like segued into the wedding industry um, mm. use. I had started kind of painting again and a lot of my friends were getting married. So I was kind of like making stationery for their wedding or like invites and stuff for their bachelorette things. And I was like, Oh, maybe this is like a better application of like, I can literally make art. It's still, you know, a, a practical quote unquote job that I can, you know, set like pitch and like sell as a career. Um, and oddly enough, like the wedding industry was so kind and welcoming to me after like my fashion relationship experiences I was like, wow, everyone really wants to help. Like, And I went into it kind of like with an attitude of like, I don't I don't know if I can really make friends. I think this is like very competitive and I, I need to like, you know, kind of elbow my way into this industry. And they were like, yeah. no, like your work's beautiful. Like, do you want to come do a shoot with us? Like, just because we like your work. Oh, I hear meet my friend. I have photographer friends who are like, oh, you know, if I can't take a job, I just recommend one of my friends. And I'm like, what? You guys are... <laughs> Kind and like, you know, have like an abundance mentality versus like a competitive, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like cutthroat mentality. I was like, that is so nice. <laughs> How lovely. Um, so like through that community, and then I started um teaching with Craft Jam, which is um like a beginner-friendly workshop that now we're virtual, but then was in person. And like the maker community is also so welcoming and helpful and like generous with knowledge and tips. I feel Mm -hmm. like in fashion when you're like, oh, you did this before me. Can you help so I don't have to work so hard? People are like, no, I worked really (laughs) hard. I got Mm -hmm. hurt. You have to get hurt, too, or else you're not allowed in the club. Oh, truly. Right? Like, why can't we just help each other not be in pain? But Mm -hmm. I I feel like, like, you know, the local maker community has really become my community. Like, you and all the people on your podcast. It's just like, I don't know. We, like, want to make pretty things and like not hurt people in the process. Like imagine. <laughs> I, the world. <laughs> I really didn't think it existed. And that is so crazy and cynical and not even cynical, just like so crazy to me, you know?
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the reality of the fashion industry and it's even, I even saw it like, so before I ever got into the fashion industry, cause I have a very similar story to <laughs> your beginning story of like, Oh wow. I can just like make things. I can be my job. Yeah. Um, and FIT is what, what, what taught me that that's not really what it is because mm-hmm. FIT feels very much like the fashion industry. It, it, it is, they were like, here we go. It's cutthroat time. And, um, it was, it was so like, never leave your sketchbook anywhere because somebody yes. might look at it and steal your ideas. And like, just, just like, that's what's ta- in, drilled into you when you're like 18, mm-hmm. um, And then when I left there and I went to Pratt and I got an art education degree, I mean, the second I got to Pratt, it was like, you know, people all just wanted to be friends and share their art supplies. And like, you know, we would like go outside to draw a tree and they would just leave the doors open. And I was just like, what is happening? This is like such a complete about face environment. And it isn't, you know, and I'm not saying that like there weren't, also some bad teachers at pratt and like you know not great experiences it's not a utopia but there was just such a stark contrast between the attitude at this fashion school and the attitude at this art school that i was like this is more the vibe that i'm trying to be a part of i don't i don't know what this competitive nonsense is but i'm not into that and then the the world proved to be <laughs> I was like oh no <laughs> mm.
1: well at least you saw both sides but it's so tr- It's a mindset shift right that's like it, it's funny because I feel like when I was younger and you know people like oh do you want to be an artist when you grow up and I'm like no I don't want to be poor it's like that also was an unfair like limiting belief that like an artist or a creative person is one way like I didn't mm-hmm. even know how many jobs there were for creative people you know right I was like you either are a starving artist and like, you know, all of like the, the kind of jokes about that and like, you'll never make money and you'll be have like a drinking problem, like almost like stereotype about like what an artist is.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I feel like only recently as I'm like making stuff and meeting other makers and other people who like own their own small businesses, I kind of thought that like your company had to be huge and corporate for you to like, be comfortable or be successful or like exist right. on it. Right. I and mean, I didn't know that like, or I could kind of shift like what my idea of success is like I make a lot less money now than I did but like I feel so much better that I don't care at least right now Mm -hmm. and I don't know I just like I I wish I knew how many opportunities there were and like how many other ways that you can be creative there's I mean I'm essentially like a surface designer now I sell my artwork for like prints and like when I worked Mm -hmm. in fashion I would buy prints for the collection so it's like I'm on the other side and I remember like my first experience buying prints from a studio and I was like, Oh my God, there's someone who sits at home and like gets to paint stuff. And then we buy that print from them. Like that's a cool right. job. But then like, I, I had no idea how that even worked. Like no one ever really told me or I didn't know how to find the information. So now I just feel like mm-hmm. I'm obsessed with learning about what other people do and how, and like all the different jobs out there. Cause there's like so many opportunities.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah I, that's a that's a really good point i but i and I think that's almost tied into something I think about a a lot which is that that people just don't really know how so many things are made, yeah like even back when we were talking about how like when when I talk on Instagram about like how the fashion industry actually works and like how being in corporate fashion actually works we've especially here in America here in North America, we have removed so much um making here wow. it's we've outsourced it you know and we've outsourced it for long enough now that people can just remove the maker process from their brain they just That's consume things good point. and they just assume that they've popped up out of <laughs> the air instead of like no there's a lot of people human beings that were involved in this process you know and even people who do know that concept they still don't really know the actual process like i when i teach my fashion business course the last time i taught it uh virtually just to smart glamour people not at the college no one was a somebody who wanted to be a designer and i remember explaining how there's like a tech pack and then there's specs and then there's this and then there's this and one of my students was like wait so there's like a tech pack for every garment that exists that was like (laughs) Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like that's how that's how things get made, you know what I mean? Like I'm it's like, like you may make that. that. Right. Yeah. Right. And people you just it's so easy to remove it from your mind when you're, you know, when you're not seeing the process. Um
1: That's so such a good point about oh, not being able to God. see the
0: process too. And also cuz I feel
1: like I once I realized like the factory partners making my clothes, I was like that I just send an idea to someone. They have to literally figure out how to make it. I'm like I have the easy job. And I'm making way more money than that person. And, like, that person's getting no respect. Like, why is there not respect Mm -hmm. for the person who can, like, literally... I feel like people respect artists, like, in a very, like, highbrow, clouded way of, like, oh, yes, artistry is wonderful. But I'm like, that person literally made... Someone made this mug. I don't know how to make this mug. That's awesome. Like, everyone should be like, oh, my God, you should get all the money. That's so fucking cool. (laughs) Yes, I would...
0: I was literally just saying this to somebody else, um and I I feel like maybe it's on it's going to be on the podcast that comes up right before this one, but this one finally comes out. Perfect. But I was talking about there are people who will look at me when I'm like, oh yeah, I know how to make patterns, and then the patterns turn into clothing, and I know how to drape them, and then I sew them, whatever. And they're like, that is magic. I don't know how you do that, yeah. but it's magic. Guess what? It's also magic when. Women of color on the other side of the globe do the same thing. So, yeah. like, if you think it's magical that I know how to make clothes, all of your clothes are made by humans. Yes, exactly. <laughs> they should all be treated fairly and paid fairly.
1: Yes, and like revered for this talent. It's like when I see someone in another country who like literally weaves the fabric that I'm buying to make something. I'm like. No, but someone like made the fabric too. Like, right. Someone dyed the yarn. Like, so I design knitwear a lot. And I feel like sweaters are the most fascinating thing. Cause like you can design the fiber into the mm-hmm. yarn, into how you mm-hmm. knit the yarn together, into the garment, like from bottom to top, you design this garment and there's, there can be almost no waste because you can like manipulate the pattern to just fit together perfectly with no And I'm like, this is mind boggling. Like, why isn't everyone think sweaters are the most fascinating engineering feat that's like (laughs) ever existed. But like, you know, we love that stuff. And I think the more people learn, maybe they'll appreciate it more too and not, you know, think of it as being, you know, just like wasteful or something. It's like, no, it's like a a piece of artwork basically.
0: Yeah. You know, and you know what's really silly that I feel like it might be making a big impact on some of those things is every time there's a new like competition show that's around making something, Mm -hmm. like have you watched Blown Away? Yes. I've watched. Okay, we probably don't ever about making stuff. Yeah. So my husband, I mean, yeah, my husband and I are very curious human beings. We're the yeah. people who like a thought will pop up and we'll ask each other and then be like, "Let's find out right now and we like, look at the that. answer because we ju- we just like to know things and like a- a- and find the answers to to everything. Um and then we talk about it, but but we start watching these various competition shows and then I'm just like amazed. I'm like, "Wow, these people are making things out of glass what is happening? I need to become a glass maker. <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> like, like all the like dumb, dumb
1: glasses I have from like the dollar store. It, like someone had to make those too. Like there are like, <laughs> there are like fast fashion in the glassware sector. Like yeah, they're, right. they're, like line you know, you're making the same glass and bowl over and over again. I'm like, wow, Mm -hmm. that's insane. How do you even make them the same? Like, that's a whole thing. It's just, yeah, it's just mind boggling. And it like, I have a love hate with those competition shows, because I also like, of course, love Project Runway. And that's how I kind of like, got introduced to making clothes. But then like everyone, Mm -hmm. their brother thinks they can make clothes, or they think it's only this competition setting is like how things work when in reality, not like that. Because I'm the same. I like watch the glass blowing. I'm like, is this what I should be doing with my life? It looks <laughs> beautiful. <laughs> Actually, looks way too hard. I do not have the patience. I don't like being hot. Nothing about that. Oh yes, good at. <laughs> but right,
0: I can me right, right. from but afar. It's, Yes, and I think it's just important to like, again, just like show as many people as possible that like. Like things have to get made and human yeah. beings make them. Yeah. Um, yeah. I used to watch Project Runway too when I was in high school and then up into college. And then I stopped because I couldn't take the real people challenge anymore. Oh my um, God. I, I'm, I'm heard putting you real that people you. in quotes. Yeah. I heard you said that in a podcast recently. And I was like, that
1: is so, I'm like, of all the things I hate about Project Runway, you're right. That oh. is the most like egregious thing to watch now. It
0: it, it just so purpose, um, perfectly encapsulates so that particular challenge and that episode every season is just like, this is the problem with the fashion industry. Right. Because you all don't think about dressing everyday people. Right. You think about dressing seven foot tall size, double zero people in yeah. heels who are 19. <laughs> like <Yeah. laughs> e- even they will not look this way probably in 10 years. Yeah. And like, such a small percentage of the population if that is what you are designing around who are you going to make clothes for you might as well just make clothes and hang them up on a wall and call it an art installation which i mean sure that would be a valid thing to do if you want but like if you can't make clothes for the majority of human beings to wear then you can't make clothes and i will say that sentence for the rest of my life I 100% <laughs> agree.
1: It's so true. And it's like some of the added, I remember like being shocked by the attitudes of some of the designers when that challenge came by of like, oh, like, yeah, so I, I have no idea how to dress this woman. I'm like, who, by the way, looks like me. So like, how dare you? You know, you're thinking you're like a part of this world by watching this show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm mm-hmm. also like, I was always horrified for those poor women who had to sit there and like be treated that way like Ugh. for this show i'm like can we not can we deal with it quietly away from them and show that you're a terrible so human, not in front of these poor beautiful women like, yeah yeah so many problems with that show and unfortunately that's like oh. the, that's the you know introduction that that a lot of like america has about what this world is this like very exclusionary seemingly exciting world if that's mm-hmm. what you think of it i mean you're not wrong that is what it's like and it's like not great
0: <laughs> right Right, but a lot of people just see that and think that like it can't be any other way. Right, it's like oh, well, this is this is this is what it is. So yeah, and um, so let's circle back to the stuff that you do now. Yeah. Um. So did you just teach yourself how to do most of those things, or did you take other people's classes and then like now you're just passing the information forward? Or like when I think about like embroidery, like did you teach yourself how to do embroidery?
1: I basically did. I'm pretty sure I learned when I was really little from my best friend's grandma, just like very casual embroidery. Um, mm. And then I kind of started doing it with another friend from fashion just as like a fun, I was like, you know how to do a couple of embroideries, just like, teach me. And I really only knew like three or four, but I just felt like a really fun way to kind of like use fabric and feel like fashion adjacent, but not in any way mm. be related. <laughs> um, so yeah, I taught myself embroidery, but I've also taken a million classes since then. I, I'm like an avid um, sharer person too. Um, mm. so then another thing as like an adult, I'm like, oh, right. I could also just like learn more. Like if I don't know how to do it, I could like learn. How fun is that? Um, <laughs> which is why. And I, I teach now at Craft Jam. I'll pitch them again because I do think it's a wonderful community. It's like a really easy non-threatening way to learn something and have like to feel creative and be able to like try something new without the pressure of like doing it perfectly um which is absolutely Mm -hmm. kind of like my mantra now um like if you make art like you're an artist period you know like so many of like the models on the other podcast with you were like I'm not a model I'm like you model for smart glamour you're a model you're a model model. own it like yes you are (laughs) But mm-hmm. I, I, for a long time, said the same thing. Like, I'm not an artist. I don't make stuff. Like, I, you know, I'm a designer. I used to be an artist. Now I'm like, no, I'm an artist. I paint.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I'm pretty much self-taught, but, you know, I'm always, like, learning other people's techniques and exploring new things and trying to, to try new things Like I get really bored easily and kind of, like, abandon projects. Um, so currently I'm into, like, ripping up all of my watercolor paintings and turning them into collages, which feels mm. like, fun and tactile and very editable which is Mm -hmm. nice Mm -hmm. um yeah and a lot of the like digital work that i do is because i learned how to use you know adobe suite for my fashion jobs and the print design and repeats and things like that um luckily i learned you know a little bit in college but mostly on the job a million different ways of using illustrator and photoshop so yep yeah it's kind of how i learned yeah (laughs) use it in our own way now
0: Yes, exactly. I'm like, yeah, I use I use Illustrator to do everything other than what I used to use it for. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so the 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 stuff that you're starting to do now, do you have any plans to try to incorporate that into your Etsy shop? Because in your Etsy shop is mostly cards and then embroidery. Like, are you going to try to also sell fine art, or are you going to keep that more as just like a a thing that you do for not selling purposes?
1: I am going to definitely expand my Etsy shop. It's kind of been like a thing where I like, you know, throw spaghetti against the wall and see what sticks. Like I'll try mm-hmm. something you really excited about it and like list it in my shop as an option. And then I, and I kind of started doing a lot of like semi customizable things. Like you can buy my one-off mm. embroideries or you can like order your own. That's cause like, I think it's nice when people can order something special for someone that's personalized. So right. I kind of wanted to offer that. Um, and I do sell my greeting cards. I sell them in some local shops too, which are kind of just like happened organically. I want to grow all of those things. I kind Mm -hmm. of have just been like tiptoeing around it for the past, like three years as I'm, you know, figuring out my post fashion career.
0: Mm -hmm. Um,
1: and you know, the one good thing about COVID is that I'm home with time now. Um, and so I feel like I've been just, like, letting myself play again and doing this 100-day challenge that I'm starting, which is, like, trying to make art every day for 100 days. Spoiler mm-hmm. alert, I'm on day, like, 13, and I've missed a couple. But, you know, <laughs> but grace to everyone this year. Um, uh-huh. But, yeah, it feels like finally, like, the culmination of my taste and the things that I like are, like, coming together in, in an artistic way. So I feel like by the end of my 100-day challenge, I will have – products that I can sell as original artwork and art prints from some of those too like things that I just like and I feel like happy and pretty things that people might want to hang in their home yeah um I definitely want to like explore more with embroideries just you know as my own designs and also I was selling kits for a while for people who were beginner friendly and, and kind of like an instruction kit oh wait do you have one
0: I do it it's literally right here so I'm gonna pick it up because I haven't started using it yet oh, I got yay. it for Christmas in the <laughs> wild
1: <laughs> yeah I need to sell more of those it, it like start off and then I kind of you know I have ideas and they drop off and then life happens but yes yeah. that is the goal is like to sell my own artwork is like one prong to sell things that encourage other people to make artwork um mm-hmm. need maybe like a starting point um, and then I also really want to start licensing my artwork for like prints and products um, as like another leg of my business because like I do know how products are made. I do understand selling, you know, things mm-hmm. in that way and like mm-hmm. creating things. So this period of my life, I'm trying to let myself be creative instead of designing products first. And like mm-hmm. I'll design the products after I've made all the creative things. So
0: mm-hmm.
1: short answer, yes. More things becoming coming to the Etsy shop. <laughs> once I make them which has been like what I've been saying for three years I'm like I just gotta make stuff that's all
0: but sometimes yeah, I it mean and sometimes it doesn't I get it yeah you want to get it I I haven't opened this this embroidery starter kit yet right I got it for Christmas so but one day you will we sh- we'll do an embroidery I'm going craft to. day oh on Sunday if you come to my craft day you can embroider so I am coming to that craft day but what I have I have another product I- project I have to finish first which is my giant mosaic that oh. I'm building for my faux fireplace that we have in this apartment that I've been working on also forever um because the thing about making things for a living is then sometimes at night when you want to make something for yourself you are tired and you don't want to make things anymore (laughs) so I was like oh great I now I have a date on Sunday to do this virtual crafting and I will bring my mosaic and finish it so actually that's a great little segue. Can you explain what this virtual crafting thing is and why you decided to do it? Because this podcast will come out after that already happens, but it's a continuous thing. So maybe you can talk Yeah. I
1: kind of like, I mean, like a lot of humans right now, I miss (laughs) connecting to other people and especially um, like making stuff with other people. Like I would get together with my friends, either like teach them a craft or, um, you know, our craft jam classes used to be in person and it was much more social. Now they're virtual, so it's still social, but I feel like I'm also like meeting cool people on Instagram that are making things. And it's like, you kind of make friends on the internet and I'm like, I would like to hang out with you, but you don't live here or because of COVID, we can't hang out. So I just wanted like to make a space where we could just like take a couple hours out of the day to do that creative thing you've been putting off and also chat about it. Right. Clearly necessary for both of us. It's funny, (laughs) last time I spent the whole time talking and I didn't even make anything. I was just like so (laughs) excited to be like chatting with everyone. But this time I'm gonna really make something. I don't know what. Um, but yeah, like I have a lot of friends who, you know, have other careers. But they're like, I want to make time to do something creative. Like I have friends that are new moms, and they're like, I just want two hours to like paint cards for my girlfriends. I just like haven't had the time. So you right. know, setting aside a couple of hours, it's free. It's just like a Zoom meetup. Um, I'm gonna to try to do them monthly as like a way for folks to connect. And also like sometimes you're working on a project, and someone else in the group is like really good at embroidery, and they have like a suggestion for you or. Like I've learned some of the best tips and tricks when I'm teaching a class, but the other students will like give advice to someone else or to me about mm-hmm. a trick they've learned. And I'm like, that idea just like saved my life, you know? So I kind of like, it's like the old, uh, like stitch and bitch, like craft circles, but we're, yeah. really we're just like hanging out and crafting
0: <laughs> So we'll
1: and everyone. So I, I post the link, um, on my Instagram and it's just like, I made an event bright thing, which I feel very proud of. It feels super professional. <laughs>
0: It doesn't have and a photo
1: <laughs> listen baby uh, stuff.
0: <laughs> yes yes well last time you only had the zoom this time we got really? an it and a zoom i know so next time you'll we'll just keep keep taking it on
1: it'll be amazing hopefully it works i gotta double check that before sunday good call <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh boy It's a lot. so <laughs> towards the end of this chat here um I feel like I'm not gonna ask my typical question about how we like to see the industry change because I think that's what, what we talked about for the first I 25 <laughs> minutes. I
1: just want half <laughs> of it to burn to the ground and the other half to just be people who are nice. Is that can we make that happen?
0: <laughs> yes, I that's I think that's fair. <laughs> um but so instead I'm gonna ask my other somewhat tangential question that I that I uh kind of morph around, depending on who I'm talking to. So do you have something that you would say in a, you know, positive, motivational advice type of way um, to somebody who maybe wants to start making art um, and like, does it just like, doesn't really know how to start? Like, like where where they should they look? What should they do? How should they feel about it?
1: That's a really good question because I think me included people get bogged down on like not starting until you have something until you have the right supplies you've taken a class you've like bought the you know the website with your potential future company name it's like just go make stuff like i'm saying this to myself as much as anyone else like just start with what you have you know if you want to learn watercolor take a beginner watercolor class find folks online that you think are making beautiful artwork that you want to make and, like, try to paint in their style. Like, don't sell that artwork and pretend it's your own. You can just use no. it as, like, no, that's <laughs> wrong, and we don't do that. Um, but, like, I am inspired by a lot of people, and I try to kind of learn to paint like they do and then realize it's either not for me or kind of make a twist on it and make it my own. But, like, I think to find your style and find what makes you unique, you just have to, like, try a bunch of stuff. Um mm-hmm. And like, you don't need to wait to do that. You also don't need to like have an art degree to do that. You don't need to even, you know, have fancy supplies. Like, honestly, I usually hold up like my Crayola watercolor palette from a dollar store when I'm teaching because I'm like, that's what I started painting with. I was stressed out at my fashion job. I went to the dollar store and I was like, I'm just going to paint really watery, drippy flowers today because like, I feel stressed and sad. (laughs) So (laughs) you don't need to start anywhere fancy, like just make something. And I think... Um, in that process and connecting to other people who are doing things you think are interesting or inspiring, like you will find the community that I'm finding now with you and all the other lovely folks. But yeah, it's, it's, you realize that like, you're not the only one. And also like, there's a wealth of information other people are willing to share. It doesn't need to be, you know, an exclusive, you know, high-end snobby environment. It can really just be like, you like painting and you start and you befriend other folks who like to start painting. So that's my,
0: yes, (laughs) yes, absolutely. So speaking of that, where can folks find you on the internet so they can be part of your community? Yes. Let's be friends
1: on Instagram. You can find me at Oxford comma company, um, like the vampire weekend song or the grammatical, um, thing. Um, that's my Instagram my website honestly is not really up and running so I won't pitch that um, you can also find me teaching classes at craftjam craftjam.co is their website and their Instagram um, I teach a bunch of classes but all the teachers there are wonderful and if again if you want to like learn something new start fresh that's a really great place to kind of find um, a way to get into it too
0: Wonderful thank you so much for being here this was such a lovely chat.
1: Thanks for having me you're so great I love you, <laughs> I love you too.
0: I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of Fashion for All. Please be sure to check our show notes for information and links to our guests and their work. Be sure to subscribe or follow us on your podcast platform of choice and leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts to help others find the show. For more Smart Glamour goodness, you can head to smartglamour.com and follow us on Facebook at backslash Smart Glamour and Instagram at smart underscore glamour. Thanks.